This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Okay, you are listening to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Neil Sampson Folk, and yeah, this was an intensely frustrating game. The Raptors losing their second game of the year, wherein they put together a very strange performance that was filled with a lot of minutes that were not exemplary at all. Really bad defensive minutes from this team, not operating as a cohesive unit, even an incredible and I mean incredible performance from Chris Boucher, and very, very impressive shot making from Fred Van Vliet, and an awesome offensive first half from Pascal Siakam. And you know what? An okay game for Kyle Lowry. All those things happened, and the Raptors could not outscore the other team. Why? Because their defense was abysmal. So many things went right for the Raptors in this game. They broke out horns, repeatedly found a lot of success running that set against the Spurs, particularly getting Fred Van Vliet open for triples or just getting him an open lane to the bucket where he could play make, finding Boucher on the cut or finding Boucher forming up for three. I mean, a lot of things went correct for the Raptors in this one. Pascal was an overwhelming force as a playmaker in the first 24 minutes of this thing. But it didn't matter because the Raptors seemingly don't have their defensive rotations sorted out whatsoever. They are oscillating between two things, collapsing full on and giving up these wide, wide open triples. We've seen that. That was their ethos last year. But this year, they're going between that and sometimes just allowing these wide open straight line drives to the bucket. If it were only the hyper-athletic Lonnie Walker slicing into the lane the hyper-athletic Keldon Johnson, which they're both great players. They can punch a gap for sure, and they were both showing a lot of flash as finishers. But we saw this against the Pelicans as well. Just these stunted rotations where they're not really sure what they're committing to, and a guy like Steven Adams drives straight into the paint for a dunk. You can't have that happen, and the Raptors are still, still allowing that to happen. It's a tough look. You're not going to win any games when you can't decide if you want to allow wide open threes or wide open layups at the rim. And you're allowing both. 
You have to find your principles. You have to stick to them. You have to bang out those rotations so you can make them confidently. It was better in the second half, but then they got completely mashed on the offensive glass or defensive glass, I should say. A lot of things went wrong. Even OG Ananobi hit some shots at the end. Really ice cold, ice in his veins, three pointers at the end. A lot of things were going right in terms of shot making for the Raptors at the end of the game, which was much different than what happened against the Pelicans. Still, lost the game. I'm not sure what this indicates for the rest of the season. However, comma, you don't want to become a team that can lose a lot of different ways. The Raptors used to be, and hopefully still are, a team that can win a lot of different ways and could only lose a couple ways. That's what we've seen in the past however many years. There was a way that they lost. Through these first two games, it's two different things. And you can chalk it up mostly to defense. But I there's, there's a ton to just be completely upset with what they're doing defensively. They had outstanding offensive performances from a number of players. Early on in the game, Aaron Baines open early and often, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry doing a fantastic job of finding him on the roll or him slipping into the dunker spot. He was finding open spots for himself and scoring the basketball. So while Fred Van Vliet was eh, on offense, Baines was picking it up. Lowry was playmaking. Siakam was playmaking, constantly putting pressure on the Spurs defense, which is nothing to write home about. That's the thing too. The Spurs are not an outstanding defensive unit. Jakob Pertl, I think a very good defender, as is DeJounte Murray. We all know DeMar DeRozan's defensive history, not exemplary. Lonnie Walker, still not great on that end. Keldon Johnson, a work in progress, probably a guy who's going to be a high-level defender later on in his career, but still. And LaMarcus Aldridge, there's not a lot of mobility as far as what he's bringing to rim protection. He's a big body, but guys like Siakam, Lowry, should have the craft to finish. And Baines did too. So they're they're not doing a whole bunch to stop you. The Raptors tried out some new sets and kind of tweaked sets from what we saw last year. Found success. Great. But you can't defend and that's where you lose the game. And DeMar DeRozan hitting an inordinate amount of threes. Just bombing away. And DeMar clearly had vengeance on his mind because he closed out this game like a an absolute badass. Matt Thomas was also had a really good start to this game. Not a super great finish because he's in there to hit triples. If he's not hitting them, you can't really be in the game. He's not adding a ton, even though he did have a couple nice passes that he made in this one. But got to hit your shots. If you're not doing it, you're a defensive liability. You can slide somebody else in, even with the spacing he provides. Defensive wrinkles that I liked. There was a sequence or two where OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and DeAndre Bembry were switching everything above the break in order to deny DeMar DeRozan the ball. I thought that was good. That was fun to see. It's just something that we might see from the Raptors this year as far as what they can throw at top-level scores, which DeMar DeRozan definitely was in this game. What you don't like defensively, man, I already covered it. It was rampant in the first half. And it wasn't even the offensive rebounding in the first half that bothered them. It was just allowing these wide-open triples and these straight-line drives to the bucket. And in the second half, they really did solve a lot of the problems they were having defensively. Not fully solved, but they improved a lot. And Boucher, as a rim defender, helped that a lot. The other side of that coin 
if it is a coin, whatever it might be, there could be a million sides to this thing. But the other side of the coin, to use that term, Boucher chases blocks. And he does intimidate guys from coming at the rim. He stonewalled a few guys down the stretch. That was great to see. But he's out of position when it comes time to rebound. The Raptors got absolutely murdered on the glass. And you could see it happening throughout the whole second half. Norman Powell especially. The thing that bothers a lot of people is like, if you get outworked, it's, you know, sometimes there's just a super big, brutish guy who's going to get a, you know, an offensive board every once in a while. Well, Marcus Aldridge has the size and strength to kind of wrestle into the correct places. And especially against Boucher, who can't help it. The type of <laughs> the type of offensive rebounds you don't want to give up are the ones that are completely avoidable. And they stem from Norman Powell not picking a guy up at the 45 extended and having that guy come in and grab a long rebound. All it takes, honestly, is just for Norm to find the guy, put a body on him, and then that's over. You've boxed out your man. Just be a little bit more diligent. But giving up those second chance points to the Spurs as often as the Raptors did was a real killer in this game. It was, it was tough to see. DeMar DeRozan had one. DeJounte Murray had two. Keldon Johnson had two. Lonnie Walker had one. Patty Mills had one. These are guys that it should not be an immense effort to keep these guys off of the offensive glass. Jakob Pertl comes in and gets four. He's playing volleyball, tapping with a couple of them. That's not a huge, huge deal, but it's just those extra possessions that bleed into the final score of the game, especially when it comes down at the end where you just have this immense shot-making burden that's put on your players. Like Fred Van Vliet shot the hell out of the ball at the end of the game. And his playmaking was also exemplary. I thought it was one of the best finishes to a game he's ever had. He was probing properly, found guys that were making timely cuts, found guys above the break, in the corner, all that stuff. Fred kicked ass, especially in that fourth quarter. And it just wasn't enough. The Raptors had a picture-perfect offense for quite a few possessions and executed, and they still couldn't win because they couldn't get a stop. And when they did get a stop, they couldn't close out the defensive possession. That is an absolute shame. That's where this game, you look at it and you say, you let one slip away because these effort, like tangible effort metrics, is (laughs) offensive rebounding. Not because they're short, because they didn't box out. That's the type of possessions you're giving to the Spurs. It's disappointing. So they're down three at halftime. And that in itself was a little little bit shocking because so often when you see these Raptors thrive on offense, they're out to these 10, 15-point leads. And the Raptors were thriving on offense, and they couldn't build that lead. Why? And I know I sound like a broken record. Perhaps this is not good listening. Or perhaps you're listening angry with me. Something. I hope it's of utility. But... You're down three at halftime after, I would say, a sterling offensive performance from two of your best players and your new signee at center, who's, who was doing a great job finding gaps to fit in offensively. And you're down. And then you, you build up that lead throughout the game and you forfeit it, not because of this excellent shot making on the Spurs, but because you can contain DeMar DeRozan. You have the guys to do it. They're going to set their screens. He's going to get downhill. But you can play him into spots where you contain and you're comfortable. The Raptors oversold so often. 
Like, you do not have to double him on a screen. Go under. He went three of four from downtown. None of those were pull-up threes that he made. None. He's not going to pull up and kill you. Go under the screen. Don't worry so much about losing containment. Keep it contained. If he's going to pull up from 20, 18, you let that happen. It's way better than letting Patty Mills go five for six from downtown because you're all selling out to stop DeMar DeRozan from getting to 16 to 8 feet. You just need to leave it. The defensive principles, way out of whack in this one. And I'm not sure if that was Nurse and what he wanted them to do to defend him, but they played directly into the Spurs' hands. That is how they want to play basketball. They have a bevy of good shooters surrounding DeMar DeRozan. They want you to climb and clamber over him. If you leave him on an island with OG Ananobi, who's going to go under screens, I promise it's not going to be as dangerous. And like credit to DeMar. I thought he played a hell of a game. He's such an immensely talented creator and passer now. But the Raptors did themselves no favors. And it was that playmaking that just allowed them to keep climbing back into the game because those threes, when the Raptors would hit, it's like, okay, they're about to start building on something. And these teams traded 7-0 run after 7-0 run. And the Raptors have more defensive tools to stop a run like that from happening. Perhaps these teams are similarly talented offensively. It, It wouldn't, I wouldn't be so disappointed if that was anybody's takeaway. Fine. The Spurs, they're a well-coached team. They know what is beneficial to them offensively. They know what they're trying to do. They work it well. It's DeMar DeRozan and Popovich. There's a high floor to that team. And exciting young wings like Keldon Johnson and Lonnie Walker. Love that for that team. But the Raptors have way more defensive weapons to use to try and stop an offensive onslaught. So them being the victim of all these runs defensively, that is just poor coaching It's poor execution from the players on the floor. There's no other way to slice it. They didn't deserve to win this game if they're going to put up such a lackluster defensive effort. So they give up all these runs where they're creating good offense that should be building a lead. Because you can win a game without going wire to wire and having to trade DeMar DeRozan pick and roll possessions with Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, and Kyle Ari Horn's possessions and just seeing who can outgun. You should outgun the Spurs because you should be able to flank them defensively. You should have counters. You have so many talented, diligent, and willing defenders on this team not operating on a string together. The closeouts, the rotations, everything completely out of whack. And it's not just Aaron Baines trying to buoy them from the center spot. No, it's everybody. There were so many mixed messages on what they wanted to do And it just led to way too many easy layups and way too many open threes. That was what happened to the Raptors. At times, they overwhelmed. They were long when they were trapping. They were disruptive, but not nearly enough. And that's why the Spurs won this game. Because they got to a point where they were comfortable saying, okay, DeMar is going to take us home. And guess what? That is exactly what happened. DeMar DeRozan, even though he was traded for Kawhi and the Raptors won the chip, He's a hell of a player down the stretch, and he's he has improved immensely as a playmaker since leaving Toronto. He was just starting to spread his wings, and he's dangerous, as we saw in this game, from all three levels of the court. It's tough. The Raptors put themselves in a position to lose. 
They could have had this game at many different points in time, but they didn't. They messed around, tried to see if they could trade buckets at the end of the game, and they lost 119-114. It's a tough look. Through two games, 0-2 is the worst record you can have. It's not, I don't think it's important to throw everything away and say the Raptors are finished. This was a poor performance. If they start linking a bunch of these together, then I will be super worried. As it currently stands, I still see a higher ceiling to this team, but these two performances lackluster. You hate to see it. I certainly didn't like watching a lot of what was happening. The shot making was thrilling, but it it doesn't feel as good when you know the Raptors shouldn't be in a position where they have to do that. So, top quick reaction comment from TR6. Quote, like I said before, it's actually good to lose all these games before the trade deadline. I'd rather have us lose these games than a fake slash false start and do nothing come the trade deadline. End quote. Okay, uh, I mean, sure. I don't know... I understand we all think very highly of Masai Jiri's trading prowess and Bobby Webster's cap minutia, how he understands it. But other teams have to be willing to put guys up that they want to trade that would improve the Raptors as of today, or as you say, around the trade deadline. And the Raptors, as good as they have been at fleecing people, it's not something they can just conjure up. The terms of a fleece deal have to be set by months of poor performance on one side and a very opportunistic GM on the other. You can't just create the terms to make incredible trades. I don't think that's on the table at all times. So I'm not sure if just waiting till the trade deadline and saying, it's going to get better. They're going to fix it really quick. I'm not sure if that exists. And that's the same with anybody who's suggesting that the Raptors have done a mis- have made a mistake by building the team this way. I don't see a conceivable way they could have built a better team than they currently have. And if you're going to bring up the Harden trade, it's not easy to trade for Harden. I'm sure if it was easy, it would have been done already, for example, or another big player, anything like that. The Raptors, I believe Masai and Co. have done as good a job as you could reasonably expect to put the team in a good position. If that team isn't as good as you'd like them to be, I understand that. But there probably isn't just a quick fix. It isn't just like a trade away. The Raptors, it took them years to build a team that was really good. And then somehow Kawhi Leonard came up and the Raptors nabbed him. And they got a championship. The first one in the franchise's history. That is rare. It isn't just something like, oh, we're just going to snap up this superstar really quick. And we're going to trade him, you know, peanuts and a croissant and a soda pop machine. It, it doesn't happen like that. So I understand wanting to make moves totally, but I wouldn't rest your hopes on that because, again, the terms have to be correct. There has to be a bunch of stuff all existing at the same time as possibilities to take advantage of a situation like Masai Ujiri has done in the past. He can't just conjure it up. So anyway, long-winded way of saying I don't know if a fake slash false start is anything. I mean, Masai Ujiri tried to trade Kyle Lowry for Mike Conley the year they won the chip. And you could have any hypothetical conversation about do the Raptors win that chip with Kawhi Leonard and Mike Conley instead of Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, and Marc Gasol. I don't know. Probably not. I don't think they do. 
but he's not infallible. And just looking to shake up the team sometimes can do more trouble than good. So you just have to, kind of, I mean, the team, there's a lot of good, important pieces in place. And that's, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. But I, I trust Masai to make decisions. And uh, if you're excited for the trade deadline, I hope you find time to enjoy the games on the way there because it's a, a decent chunk of time to go. Okay, Reggie Evans' award initially after the first half, I was thinking, okay, it's got to go to Pascal. He's pushed in transition. He's been active on both ends of the floor. He's grabbed a lot of rebounds. But after that game, I think it's pretty clear that it has to go to Chris Boucher, a, an absolute hustler, a guy who didn't give up on the ball at either end of the court, whether it was getting after an offensive rebound or trying to block somebody or trying to close out a possession. And I thought he was just fantastic. There were shortcomings, of course, but the team, they didn't back him up the way he needed to be. I, You couldn't expect anything more from Chris Boucher than what he provided. It was a monstrous, monstrous performance in stat line. He was, he was incredible, and I think he deserves the Reggie Evans Award for that. I, was, I thoroughly enjoyed watching him play. But that's it for me. That's it for you. That's it for us. I hope you're not too down after this game. They've got another one coming up, and hopefully they win that one too. It is against Philly, so, you know, Joel Embiid, we'll see. Ben Simmons, who's to say? But whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.